I cannot let another day go by without telling you about two of our podcasting friends from Let's Go to Court, because just like us, it's hosted by two best friends who love the drama of a good trial. So Kristen is a law school dropout and Brandy is a criminal justice dropout. But what they lack in legal training, they more than make up for in being completely obsessed with lawsuits. Here we go. Five, six, seven, law school dropout. No graduation day for you. But I am sure you all are already listening to Let's Go to Court, just like we do. Every week they discuss two juicy legal battles, and they don't just cover the dark stuff, just like us. Yes, they cover John List's trial and the kidnapping of the Lindbergh baby, but they also cover the stuff we really want to hear, like Kim Kardashian's divorces. Yes, divorces with an S. And the FTC's crackdown on Skechers shape-ups. I mean, remember those shoes? They were hideous. Oh my God, yeah, full of lies. Full of lies. Every episode is peppered with Brandy's booming laugh and Kristen's snarky asides. Check out Let's Go to Court podcast for a fun, tangent-filled take on the world's biggest legal battles. It's available wherever you listen to your podcast. You know what? Go and enjoy Let's Go to Court. Let's go to court. I mean, finish our podcast and then go listen to their podcast. <laughs> All right, Anna, do you have a cold open? Cold open? Yeah. You mean like I'm cold? Yes, I'm freezing. <laughs> Not your heart, Anna. <laughs> The humor you have to you have to you have to pull in the audience. Hi guys. Yeah, no, no, that's not the cold open. Okay. That's the intro. Tell us something. So, like, what happened today? Something funny from your life? Something funny that happened in the past couple of days? Oh, you know what? Nothing funny ever happens in my life. Well, it's been great having you. Thank Thank you, Anna. I think not. (laughs) I just came in from San Francisco last night. Mm -hmm. And boy, are my arms tired. (laughs) I didn't say I flew in. I just came in. (sighs) Wow. Well, uh, hi, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. It's called... I think not. That's don't, right. Don't say it with a question mark. I think not. There we go. <laughs> with me, Ellen Marsh, and Joey Taranto, and special guest, just for this intro, Mama Cohen. Welcome to the show, the show where Joey and I recap our favorite true crime TV show. Mom, what is your favorite true crime TV show? I think not. <laughs> No, mom, TV. mom. I don't, oh. She's drunk. She's drunk, everyone. That's okay. She, have you, how what many Chardonnays it? have you had? Two. Okay, okay, good for you. All right. What is your favorite true crime TV show? Uh, true crime TV show. Are there any true crime TV shows? Well, 21 I, I, Jump Street. I heard Anna, 21 we, Jump Street. We have an entire <laughs> podcast just dedicated to Hill that. Street Blues. Oh, I, Hill Street Blues. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, on the Patreon where you'll find no mom content. You can just find, you can just head on over to Patreon and get more Joey and I. What else are you going to do this summer? Um, I mean, maybe some summer butt stuff, right, Anna? Oh, always summer butt stuff. <laughs> mom, you're going to do summer butt stuff? And why not? <laughs> wow. Okay. I love it. All right, mom, we have a, a job to do. Can you stop <laughs> hogging the booth? Bye, mom. We'll have you here for the closing. Love you, mom. Everyone say bye to my mom. Bye. <laughs> but yeah, if you're not checking out our Patreon, what are you doing? We have People so, have jobs. People well, have that's jobs. True. Yeah, I'm just saying. There's a whole back catalog of nonsense stuff from that old buzzard who used to go here. You know, there's you things. Know. Also, pink collar crimes, and I almost got away with it. I think I I'll- think, honestly, I'm not kidding. 
We should tag Pink Collar Crow. We should tag Paramount and ask them to make another season. Why not? We got them to make another season of Disappeared. Listen, I will I will DM Marsha Clark until she screams, I'm going to cut my bang. Yeah. Find us on socials. We're going to make a campaign. Uh, should we get to the episode? I think it's time. Okay. We are covering Deadly Wives. It's about ladies. Ladies who are deadly and who are married. So, season one, episode three, Marlboro Man Murder. When two people marry, it's supposed to be a -a once-in-a-lifetime event. But some couples have to try a few times. Take Larry McNabney and Elisa Barrage. When they found each other, they had six marriages between them. So you would think they'd learned a thing or two of what it takes to make a marriage work. Sadly, some people never seem to get it right. This is probably one of the most cold and calculating cases where a woman has used her God-given resources to commit a crime and actually believe that they could get away with it. Narrator from Who the Bleep Did I Marry? I have no idea. She sounds familiar, right? She does sound familiar and she's quite sassy. Oh, she is savage in this episode. I feel like she would be our friend. Hold on to your butts because Because it's not condescending like Nightmare Next Door. She's like, she says what we would say. Yeah. Well, there's a couple things she says that I'm like, all right, honey, you need to pull it back just a little bit and stop drinking on the job. Oh, see, I think she's coming for our jobs. I think she's trying to be funny and (laughs) sassy. And I was like, honey, you're taking my jokes. I know. Workshop it at the at Caroline's. Yeah. So here we are in Reno, Nevada in 1995, the year of Coolio. We've talked about this before. Hmm. Gangsta's Paradise was the number one song mm-hmm. of 1995. Great song. Yeah. But do you know what number two and number three are? No Guess. clue. I'll give you a clue, though. It's by the same artist or artist. Is it Green Day? No, it's not. Okay. It is a group, though. Not the Cranberries. Mm-mm. The Cardigans? No, they didn't, they only really had one hit, and I don't even I don't think it went to number one. That is Lisa Lobish time, but she didn't have two hits. Did you say Lisa Lobish? Like Lisa Loeb-ish. Oh, yeah. But I will tell you, there is a Lisa in this group that I'm talking about. All right. I'm going to give you a dance move. TLC. That's right. Waterfalls. Yes. It's number two. And Creep. That's it. You did it. (laughs) Why am I so excited that you got it? Don't go chasing waterfalls. Please stick to the rivers and the lakes that show you. That doesn't make any sense. That metaphor is really a reach. Listen, let's just kick it off right now with the sassy narrator. When two people marry, it's supposed to be a -a once-in-a-lifetime event. But some couples have to try a few times. I'm going to say if it's bad and you broke up, I don't don't think you need to try again. No, I mean, you know, I'm trying to think of people that I know that broke up and got back together and it worked out. Yeah. You know, because it's like if you broke up, you broke up for a reason. Maybe one time... But, like, a couple times, I'm going to say throw in the towel. Yeah, that is very Lifetime television for women starring Valerie Bertinelli. Sort of romanticizing a breakup and getting back together. Because you just miss that person. You miss the cuddles. You might miss the D. But you don't don't need it. Clearly, you broke up with them for a reason. What was that metaphor of that woman from Peloton who was like, do you go outside and revisit your trash when you throw it out? Yes. So then why are you trying to redate your ex? I yeah. was like, work. Leave it to the raccoons. Listen, 
I've been a trial lawyer helping injured people for over 20 years. If you've been injured in an accident, you deserve and should demand experience. Larry's last line was always, uh, I'm Larry, Larry McNabney. Call me. Call me. Call me. So we hear about a man named Larry McNabney. He's a personal injury attorney. You know, he does commercials and ads. And he's just like a cowboy in the middle of the desert. And he would say, I'm Larry McNabney. Call me. Remember those commercials when you would stay home sick? Yes. And it would be like, hi, my name's Ralph Thompson. Let me do your taxes. Yes. And then he, it, it was always like the owner, and it felt like they paid 20 bucks for the commercial. It was always on during the day. Yes, but let me ask you something. Was there a personal injury attorney that you remember who had a commercial in yes. Oakland? Yes. Wait, do you remember his name in the tagline? Um, if I heard it, I would, because right now I all I can think of is, 1-800-588-2300-EMPIRE. That's what's That's in my wrong. head right now. No. In New Orleans, this is for my NOLA people, we had, hi, I'm Morris Bart, and I'm on your side. For years. And did he you, still has commercials. Did but, you guys have the men's warehouse? Is that California or is that national? We had men's warehouse, I believe. I guarantee it. That guy? <laughs> I'm going to think of the commercial because there was one. I, I just But they were only on during the day. Larry was here. He lived in Reno. He was like, nobody is doing these commercials but me. He was dressed like a cowboy. He had a mustache. I really feel like when you have a mustache, you need to really embrace that personality. Oh, yeah. Like, it's like 75% of your personality has to go to being like a guy with a mustache. Yeah, I'm going to have a mustache In the day. 90s, don't do it. Why? But also, he was like a local celebrity. He was a local celebrity. And let me tell you, the reenactment Larry is being played by Burt Reynolds. Yeah. And he looks great for a dead guy. Well, we see. <laughs> Larry, and guess how old he is? The guy in the commercials. Guess how old he was? He looked like he was in his 60s. He was 32. Shut the fuck up. Like, why do people in the 90s look so old? Like, you look at pictures of teenagers in the 90s, and it looks like they're worried about their 401ks and their mortgage, and they're going for their <laughs> yearly prostate exams. Like, why do people from... Back a long time ago, looked so old. Did they smoke all day? Yes, because they all smoked, and they all smoked, and they were in the sun all the time. Do you know how old Norm was from Cheers? How old? 34. Stop it. Yeah. This guy looked like he was in his 60s. He was 32. I looked it up. Well, also, the it doesn't help that he lived in Reno. It was dry as hell yeah. out there. Larry was a local celebrity. He dressed like a cowboy, and people called him the Marlboro Man. Everybody seemed to like him. He was handsome, he was charismatic and funny and had a lot of money and he threw his money around. He, I mean, you had a great time with Larry. And so everybody called Larry the Marlboro Man. That's what he was known as is in Reno and everyone loved him. Now Larry's ex-girlfriend Cheryl is here and she says he was a nice guy who had a lot of money and not afraid to throw that money around. He also sadly suffered from alcohol abuse disorder. Yeah. And he would do this thing where he would kind of go on benders and disappear and then come back around and be like, sorry, I just had a bad weekend. And then he would come back and charm everyone and take everyone out to lunch and people would forgive him. And that cycle kind of went on yeah. for a while. I mean, addiction is a disease yeah. and it's no respect of persons. So in 1988, Larry thankfully goes to rehab, gets sober, and this time he finds a way to stay sober. So good for you, Larry. 
And with that, he and Cheryl found themselves in a really great relationship. Now, Cheryl is here and she's like, we were happy. Things were going well. Work was going well. So much so that they branched off from the Reno office and started a Las Vegas office. I hate Vegas. You know that. Yeah, I know you do, honey. Yeah, so they had to hire more people to run the Vegas office. And that is where he met 29-year-old Alisa Barash. She was 17 years younger than him at the time, but she had her master's degree, and she was smart. She had an IQ of 140. Yeah, and she's also a workaholic. It was all the things that Larry was like, yep, this is what I'm looking for in an employee. Yeah, and she wanted to go to work. She wanted to help get his business in Vegas off the ground. She wanted to be a big part of it. And she was like, I, I can do this. And She worked around the clock. Yeah. Right she was pretty and she was charming. But no one really knew anything about her. We did know that she lit up a room. There we go. That's just me. Okay. I know. Larry's daughter, Kristen, is here. And she basically says what people say is the truth doesn't mean it's necessarily the truth. And she was just very confused by Elisa. But she was mysterious. And Larry liked that about her. But also, she came through on all of her promises. Yeah, she did. She worked day and night. She worked tirelessly. She's like, we're going we're gonna to do this. And they were like, great. And so within a week, they promoted her to office manager. And she... Took control. She sure did. And it also didn't hurt that she was easy on the eyes for Larry. Yeah. And yeah, she took over all of Larry's business matters. But then things took a romantic turn. Yeah. So much so that twist, Larry left Cheryl. Yeah. After seven years. Yeah. And he was like, I'm going to go to Vegas. Yep. You can stay here in Reno in our house for a bit. And Cheryl was like, okay, I guess I'll stay here in Reno for a bit. She was devastated, super confused. And Larry and Elisa moved on with their life. And then our best friend, Shady Narrator, was like, soon there was a problem. I was like, wow, you're a bass, ma'am. She is. Yeah. She's giving you baritone. Yeah. By late fall, things were going great for Larry and Elisa, both at home and at the office. But soon there was a problem. Clients began calling with concerns about money missing from their accounts. Larry hired a CPA to audit the books and discovered that tens of thousands of dollars were unaccounted for. Really? That meant someone was stealing from under Larry McNabney's nose. There was a lot of money missing. Tens of thousands of dollars. Now remember, this man is a personal injury attorney. So that means that these people who were waiting on their settlement and waiting and waiting and waiting to pay off their medical bills and maybe, you know, go buy a, a tube top. Yeah, uh, Erica Girardi of it all. Yeah, literally. That means that money was stolen from them. He was like, gosh, no one really works here except for me and Elisa, so yep. that's weird. So he calls Cheryl. I guess they stayed on good terms. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. And he was like, someone has been stealing money. And she's like, how much, babe? And he was like, like $250,000. Also, don't call your ex at Christmas. Yeah. Deck the halls, my ex is calling. Fuck my, my life, my life. You <laughs> fuck my life. <laughs> call I just Blatt. made that up. I just call made that Blatt. up. <laughs> Here's the thing. 
the state of Nevada was ready to disbar him. So he has no choice but to fire Alisa. And then they have to go their separate ways. Instead of pressing charges or forcing her to pay it back, he doesn't ask for a penny, but he does ask for her hand in marriage. <laughs> He's like, Mary. Do you promise you're sorry? I feel like you're sorry. Are you sorry? I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, then it, it's fine. Yeah, and... Who needs trust in a marriage? Trust is highly <laughs> overrated. I was shocked. I couldn't believe he would do that. He didn't know her very well. I'd never asked him why he married her. I never asked him. You know, there may have been a tinge of darkness to their relationship, but I think he was excited by that. Larry's daughter, Kristen, says, you know what? I really think Larry enjoyed the darkness of their relationship. What the hell? Come on. It's he just went into that red flag like he was at what where is that where's the bull run thing? Oh yeah. Pamplona. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That sounds about right. So he calls Cheryl back and he was like, guess what? I, bad news. It turned out to be Elisa. And Cheryl was like, oh God, I, Larry, I'm really sorry. And so how did you fire her? And he's like, I well I um I I proposed. I felt that was a good idea. And Cheryl's like, do not call me again. Ever. Yeah. Ever. I'm not going to talk again until I have to be a talking head on your documentary, yes. sir. Yes. I mean, it is wild. To keep his new wife happy, Larry let Elisa work quietly behind the scenes. But after two years of sneaking around, the couple finally had enough. In March 1998, Larry and Elisa closed the Nevada offices and opted for a fresh start in Sacramento, California, a state where Larry's law license was still in good standing, and she could openly work for him. But here's the thing. Elisa ain't a lawyer. Right. She is a thief. Yeah. But she ain't a lawyer. But she kind of acted like a lawyer yeah. and thought she was a lawyer. It's basically Elle Woods and you and me, like whenever I call customer service, yes. you know? Yeah. And so they were making money yeah. and spending money. Well, Larry didn't care. Larry loved her. Yeah. He was obsessed with her. But yeah, they were spending money. But he Elisa bought her two jaguars. Oh, yeah. And I do not believe in domesticating wild animals. You could go fuck yourself for that joke. <laughs> I hate you so much. You could go and fuck yourself. Yes. They were even talking about buying a jet. They had horses. Elisa loved horses. And so did Larry, because after all, he was the Marlboro Man. Yeah. But Elisa was like winning horse shows. Yeah. That lifestyle is very expensive. I, We've talked about that yeah. before. Now, Larry had been sober, but started drinking again because he loved his life. and He that, loved wine. And he loved wine. And he was enjoying his life a little bit more. They had decided to not work as much. Enter Sarah Dutra. Sarah Dutra was a student at Sacramento University, early 20s, tall, blonde, played the piano, art student, well-poised. She was very smart and became very tight with Elisa. You know, Elisa had picked up the slack at work for Larry so that he could just relax. And so she needed to hire someone to help out. And Sarah was a student, very smart, early 20s. And she became quickly 
very close with Elisa. They became like besties. Like thick as thieves. Yeah, they were like a, a Lucy and Ethel, Laverne and Shirley. More like a Thelma Louise. Yeah, kind of like an Oprah and a Gail, kind of like the Sweeney sisters. Yes. Coming on a door. Oh, we've been waiting for you. Remember for the you. Sweeney sisters? Vaguely. Uh, the um, R.I.P. Jan Hooks, but it was um, Jan- oh, clang, clang, clang with, with the, the jolly. jolly. Would, I'm gonna bring the room down. Yeah, for a moment. yes, <laughs> they were I so remember. Great. She was very talented. Yeah, she was. So by the year 2000, Larry was spending most of his time with the horses and Elisa, who is still not a lawyer, but running Larry's office with Sarah. Yeah, and Larry didn't like it. He didn't like how close they were. He's like, I don't know if you guys are kissing or whatever you're doing. Doing the lickety splits. I don't like it. Yeah. They were partying together. They slept in the same bed together, shopping together. Wherever Elisa was, Sarah was right there, even if that meant personal time with Larry. Larry was sick of her shit. Yeah. So in September 2021, they were like, you know what we need? Some more help. Because <laughs> Elisa was like, you know what is really getting in the way of me and Sarah's fun? The work. Yep. So we don't want to do that. Can we hire someone to do the work so we can just do the fun stuff? Larry was like, what happened to that like workaholic attitude that you have? Not that I think that that's a good attitude to have, but she really just wanted to focus on spending the money rather than making the money. Yeah. Also, I would be very curious. They don't say it in the episode. I'm wondering if Sarah and Elisa started a sexual relationship. Yeah, it did feel like they were insinuating that. They Very much so. Yeah. And so they hire 25-year-old Ginger Miller, and Ginger is here. Mm-hmm. And she says, you know what? I really liked Elisa. Mm-hmm. And she got hired very quickly, and they are like, starting a week. And so... During that week, Elisa and Larry head to Southern California for a horse show and tell them who showed up. Um, one day, Sarah Dutra's like, hey, and Elisa's like, oh my God, you're here? That's so weird, <laughs> hey. Like, I didn't think about, I, I wasn't so expecting it. I didn't buy that plane ticket for you. That's so weird. And Larry's like, why are you here? And so they get into, like, a triangular fight. Like, Larry's mad at Sarah. Elisa's mad at Larry for being mad at Sarah. Sarah's mad at Larry. They're, everybody is, like, mad at everyone. And Sarah is so angry that she spells out fuck to say fuck you, literally. Mm-hmm. She said, you know what, Larry? F-U-C-K-U. <laughs> Wow, you really nailed it to him, Sarah. You really, wow. You just, you should really go, you should get that code for better help to really learn how to, you know, pull it back. F-U-C-K-U. Yeah. Are you okay, Sarah? A, B, Z, D, E, F, U, fuck your mom and your sister and your job. Imagine. It's not fuck your mom. Anyway. And so Sarah's like, I am going to, I am so mad. I'm going to leave this Holiday Inn Express and go back to Sacramento. Larry had reached his breaking point and confided in his horse trainer about the whole mess. Larry said he didn't want Sarah coming around anymore. And when the trainer inquired and said, why, you know, she's Elisa's best friend, I thought you got along with her. He says, well, not anymore. And then he goes on to say that he's directed Elisa to fire her, get rid of her. Larry has a horse trainer named Javier and he confided in Javier. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to tell y'all now, Javier is a little bit somewhat chauvinistic in the way he speaks about women. He yeah. was like, she was all uppity on her horse and she thought she knew better and smarter than us. And it's like, 
Are you okay? Yeah, do you hate women? Did we trigger something for you? Someone pushed that button for you. You seem like you hate women. Yeah. But apparently, Larry told Javier everything that was happening because if you can't talk to your horse trainer, who can you talk to? (laughs) He's like, I don't want her coming around. And everyone was like, she's your wife's best friend. He's like, I don't care. She's got to be fired. Yeah. So, Elisa called Sarah and was like, hey, y'all, I don't think we can be besties anymore. And she's like, just kidding. Come back down here. Yeah, because the truth is, is that all that partying they were doing, Mm -hmm. that shopping, that vacationing, that was all on Larry's dime. Yeah. They did not want to give that up. So that day, Sarah's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to come right back to Sacramento. So she storms away. (laughs) She comes right back. She's like, okay, I'll come back. Fine. So the next day was 9-11, a day that none of us will forget. And it doesn't matter where you were in America that day. Everyone was freaking out because we didn't have all the answers immediately. All we knew is we were under attack. And so everyone was glued to their TV. So if you were trying to get away with anything, 9-11 was kind of the way to do it. Yeah. Do you remember where you were? I think we've talked about this before. I I was in Boston. I was staying at a friend's house because I was flying home to California the next day and I called my dad and I begged him I had and I wanted to come home I was just like really homesick and I begged my dad to get a flight and a day early and he couldn't because it was like a thousand dollars or something so I was supposed to fly Boston to San Francisco on 9-11 holy shit yeah Wow, that's because wild. It it was because I couldn't I was I was meant to fly on the twelfth. And I was like the twelfth or the thirteenth. I was like, Can you just I just really want to come home? Yeah. He's like, it's too expensive. I was like, it's fine, no big deal. And then I got stuck in Boston. That is crazy. Ellen. Where were you? I was at college. I was at the University of New Orleans. And the truth is, is I had never even heard of the World Trade Center. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what it was. And my best friend Kim came running up to me and she grew up in church too. And she literally was like, Joey. It's the apocalypse. Our parents were right. I was like, what are you fucking talking about? She's like, it's the end of the world. Like, they're blowing up America, and they blew up the World Trade Center. I'm like, what is the World Trade Center? But she was like, our parents were, our parents are right. It's the apocalypse. And I was like. Did you think it was your fault because you had gay thoughts? <laughs> Everything was my fault because I had gay thoughts. Just ask my mom. <laughs> no, just kidding, mom. Um, But yeah, it was like, it was terrifying. I remember going home and being glued to the TV and everyone, everyone everywhere was just somber. Mm -hmm. Like it could, people just couldn't shake it. Yeah. But that's the thing. Everyone was kind of like a zombie. You didn't have to be in New York or anything. Everyone was just sort of in a daze. Yeah. I mean. For days. For weeks. You know, that, the Pentagon. Then we found out there was one headed toward the White House. The White House. Yeah. So. On this day, Larry became very ill, so much so that Elisa and Sarah had to put him in a wheelchair to get him out of the hotel, but nobody saw. Yeah. No one was paying attention. Back in Sacramento a week later, Ginger Miller arrived at the offices of Larry McNabney and Associates for her first day of work. No one showed up to greet me, so I waited for two hours in the parking lot, and then finally Elisa called and said that Sarah was on her way. Sarah showed up an hour later. She didn't have her shirt all the way on. She had obviously probably like just woke up out of bed, actually. A week later, back in Sacramento, Ginger was set to start work. So she gets to the office and nobody's there. Yeah. She's like, 
Okay, this is kind of rude. So two hours pass and Elisa calls and she's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. This is not the way I wanted you to start your first day of work. Sarah is on her way down. And so an hour later, she says Sarah shows up super disheveled and is like, hey, okay, um, come in here and I, I um, just like answer the phone if it rings or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. She had clearly just rolled out of bed. Yeah. And Ginger is... Literally answering the phones. For a company, she doesn't know what they, like, what is happening. She's just like, hello, Larry, the guy on TV, the Marble Man's office. Hi, the, uh, thank you for calling the offices of Law, Law, and Law. Yeah. Larry Law. <laughs> like, she's just like, and so Ginger's like, okay, cool. So when do I meet that guy from the commercials? And Elisa's like, oh my God, I would love for you to meet him. He's, um, golfing. All. Th- Golfing. 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 So Mm. just like sit here, answer the phones, or don't answer the phones, whatever. Well, a couple hours later, Elisa's like, Ginger, you got this? You got this. You're doing great. Okay. All right. Bye. I'm going to go. So Ginger, they leave Ginger alone in this office by herself. And so a woman calls from a medical supply company in L.A., and she's pissed. Yeah. Pissed. Demanding to speak to Elisa or Sarah. This is her first day. It's her first day. And she's like, Elisa and Sarah rented a wheelchair from me on the 9th or the 10th and never returned it. And I want my $350 deposit back immediately. And you know what? (laughs) Ginger was like, someone here at the offices of Larry Law will get back to you. She's like, listen, it's my first day. She's like, "And, and I waited three hours to get in here. I know. Uh-huh. I know. I went to Chico's and got this outfit and everything. Well, she's like, I know, so rude, right? <laughs> well, spoiler alert: no one ever called that no lady one back. Ever called that lady back. So then, you know what? I got something to say. Oh God! What did I say? That you know, I just want to let you know. I don't think that you understand the severity of expecting money. It never comes back to you. This poor woman was probably just like, I'm going to let you this wheelchair that probably owned her family, her grandma, her sweet mom. No, no. She, it was a medical supply company. You don't know that. You were not there. No, okay? but I'm reporting on it. I'm doing... You I- know what? Report this pussy. Okay? <laughs> and so what I'm trying to tell you is to have money taken from you. And you didn't get that back. Nobody has taken money from you, Bobby Lynn. I did. What money has been I taken? I still not gotten my $140 back. <laughs> it wasn't your money. It wasn't my money. You don't know that. I was planning on stealing. I was <laughs> planning on borrowing that money. <laughs> but it wasn't yours. You know what's yours? This fist up your ass. If you don't shut up, all right, I'm sick of you. So I just came here to defend this woman. She wanted her $345, whatever the amount was. Okay. And you take a sprite and leave, you hoity-toity woman. Sick of you. <laughs> I love how it's like... Money really... It's, 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 it real, but I love how... The, she cracks. <laughs> Bobby Lynn, the, the evolution of Bobby Lynn and the way her... She had a yodeling competition. She's been through a lot. She's come here and yelled so much. She has notes. She's got to go get that look. (laughs) So then they're like, Ginger. Yeah. Ginger. Ginger. They're like, I know you don't even know what we do here. Yeah. That outfit, your Chico's outfit was adorable. I'm sorry I didn't compliment it. I know you don't know what the fuck you're doing, but do me a solid. Go down to the DMV. 
sell Larry's truck. He wants to sell he it. He wants to sell it. She's like, I still haven't met him. They're like, he's golfing. Golfing. Yes. There's a golf course in Pakistan called Boca Raton. <laughs> <laughs> that's where he is. Oh. Boca Raton's leisure golf course. It's yeah. there. And that's where he is. And he needed some money. So he was like, tell that new girl, Ginger, who I'm really excited to meet when I get back. Yeah. To go sell it. Yeah. Is this is all fine? The checks, everything's forged to signature. So they're running the offices if he's there. Soon, Ginger found herself deeply involved in all kinds of business that didn't make sense. I was switching money from Larry McNabney and Associates, three different accounts, into a horse training company account that was owned by Elisa. And there was a lot more odd behavior, especially when it came to Larry. So this whole time, Ginger says that Sarah and Elisa are just forging Larry's signature on checks, left and right, not even giving it a second thought. And now they have Ginger doing shit that she's like, this is not right. Yeah, she's transferring money from, like, Larry's account to Elisa's. Horse training. Yeah, she's just like, I don't, Ginger was like, okay. And then. Also, remember, she's manning the phones and just, like, writing down a bunch of messages. And she's like, hey, super happy to be here. People are asking for Larry. Yeah. And I know that he is in a golf tournament or something in In Pakistan. Yes. But, like... You, I keep hearing you say different things to different people. Yeah, I don't want to disturb Larry's time in Pakistan at the Boca Raton Every Hole is a Goal golf course. Yeah. But she was super suspicious after two weeks. Yeah. And so one day Ginger comes back from lunch and she finds Elisa hysterically crying because Elisa kind of knew at this point She could tell by her line of questioning that she had become suspicious. And so she puts on a three-act play. Yeah. She's like, we have a horrible marriage. He is is suffering from addiction. He's old. I don't like his loose skin. She was like, I'm so unhappy. And Ginger was like, oh, my God. This all makes sense. Okay. I am so sorry. I will help you. Thank you for explaining that. I understand you're just in, you're between a rock and a hard place. And she's like, okay, this all makes sense. Yeah. But she couldn't have been too upset because Elisa shows up with a brand new red Jaguar. That's right. She and Sarah even leave work early so they can drive to Reno from Sacramento to go to a party in this brand new red Jaguar. Yeah. I mean, I guess she's just coping in her own way. Sure. And wherever Larry was, he was footing the bill for all of it. And where was Larry? If he was in rehab, clearly it wasn't working. It had been more than a month, but no one seemed to care. Until his California license to practice law expired. No, 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 no! Elisa flipped like I have never seen anyone flip. So... They're having their own Thelma and Louise blasty blast. And one day they get a call and they learn that Larry's law license, his license to practice law, is like about to expire. Yeah. And Ginger says, Elisa lost her fucking mind. Mm-hmm. She was throwing shit everywhere, destroying the office. Because here's the thing if they don't have Larry's license, they don't have a practice. And Elisa's screaming, What are we going to do now? We are fucked. We are fucked. And that display is like, oh, Ginger knows. 
This man yeah. ain't coming back. He was, ri- she was ripping, she was Teresa judicing, flipping tables. She was screaming. Yeah. The prostitution di- hall. Yeah, you're done. We're done. She's screaming. So. She gave herself away. Yeah. At this point, Ginger's like, fuck this. I'm not about to be implicated in some sort of crazy embezzlement scheme. Yeah. So she goes to the cops and she's like, this guy's been missing for months. I think the wife did something to him and the secretary helped. And they're like, what? And they were like, she's like, yeah. And they're not even giving good lies. No. Because to someone, they'd be like, he's on a retreat. He's in rehab. He's having hair transplant surgery. Yeah. He's counting sea turtles in Costa Rica. They told Ginger that he and the family. That's the other thing. They were telling the family lies. Saying, oh, he joined a hippie commune. Yeah, he is looking for a cure for athlete's foot. He's filming the next season of American Horror Story. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. He went to beauty school. Yep. He's going to do perms. (laughs) Yep. I mean, it's crazy. And so they interview her all night to get what they can from her. She tells them everything. The lying she had to do. The money being moved around. The creditors calling. The wheelchair. And all the lies. I was just wondering, though, because they said that... They called a bunch of people and a bunch of clients and said, have you heard from Larry? Where was his family? Well, they had been lying to the family. I mean, they they did everything short of saying he's playing Sebastian in the Little Mermaid live action remake. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I do think that possibly Elisa did what most devious people in that position do, which is they separate them from their close... He doesn't want to speak to you. Right. Yeah. So Ginger also tells police that the money coming in from insurance companies... Yeah, Sarah and Elisa were spending that money, embezzling it and spending it. On January 11th, 2002, Elisa McNabney called Ginger Miller before dawn. She said, can you come earlier today because we're moving to Arizona? Nothing like hearing from your boss about a spur-of-the-moment move to get your day going. So it's January 11th, 2002, and Elisa calls Ginger, and she's like, hey, girl, what are you doing? Uh Uh-huh, answering the phones. You're so good at that. Listen, we're going to move to Arizona. (laughs) Can you come help us move the office there? Yeah. And by this time, Ginger is fully just helping the cops. Ginger's like, I'm in to find out what's going on. Ginger's like, yep. I will come help you move to Arizona. Honey, Ginger graduated with honors. Yeah. From the DB University. She she played it cool. I mean, the fact that she went along with this with a person who, in her mind, killed her husband. Mm-hmm. And she's like, nope, of course, I'll come and meet you and help you. Yeah. Honey, she's, she had a minor in, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, they could not have done this without Ginger. No. So she got to the law office. Elisa was already there. She's like, hey, grab a box. Yeah. We're filling it. And she's like, okay, hold on. Put a pin in this. We're going to stop on the box loading for right now. We need to go get my horses. Yeah. And Ginger's like, yeah, I can't leave without your fucking horses. But thank God Ginger had the wherewithal to be like, you know what? I'm going to take my own car. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so Elisa takes off and Ginger calls the detective and is like, look, this is where we're going. We're going to get her horses or some shit. And they're like, cool. When you get there, let us know exactly where it is and we'll meet you. Yeah. So they get there. Turns out there's no horses. Not a nary a nay. <laughs> Not a nary a hay. Nary a hay. Not a nary a nay. Nary a nay. Yeah. 
Okay, Dr. Dilliman, please calm down. (laughs) Something bad. God. So there's no horses. It's all Elisa's shit that they're filling up this horse trailer with. She was using it as a moving van. Babe, we see the pictures. She had a whole fucking dresser in there. (laughs) She was like, she had Tara Grinstead's bedroom in there. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. And when everything was finally loaded in, Ginger said goodbye. I pulled out and I got about half a mile down the road and called the police. And then I saw them all fly past me. But the trap didn't work. Somehow, Elisa saw the police coming. They came in through the front, and Elisa took off in her red Jaguar out the back. Elisa got away. She evaded them. She saw them come through the front, and she got through the back. She Harry Houdini'd that shit. Yep. She left the horse trailer with all of her shit, which had tons of information in it. Put a pin in that. And so she's like, Deuces. Yeah. I don't need any of that stuff. I'm gone. Meanwhile, Sarah heads to the Sacramento airport thinking she's going to fly to Arizona. And Elisa has a ticket waiting for her to pick up. Guess what? There's no plane ticket. No, Elisa, not at all. No, there was no plane ticket. Elisa left her high and dry. But the cops were like, hey, Sarah, do you want to come sit and talk to us and chat with us about a couple things? And she's like, I literally have no idea where she is. I barely know her. She really like watered down their relationship. She's like, I would love to tell you what I know, but I don't know anything. Yeah, that cop interviewing her was not taking her shit. Yeah. Not at all. He's like, Sarah, I want to talk to Elisa. Put me in touch with her now, and your jacket is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> that pink puff jacket is stupid, and Ginger Spice quitting the Spice Girls did not leave an opening for you unless they're looking for stupid spice. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't have anything to hold... Sarah on, so they have to let her go. And the priority is to find Elisa. Yeah, and so they put out a bolo for her Jaguar, and they go take a gander in that horse trailer slash moving van, and they found clothes and furniture and jewelry and her real identity. That's right. It turns out, Elisa, it's not funny. This woman is no stranger to crime. She had 38 aliases, and one of them was... Alisa Barash. But Alisa Barash is also the name of a woman in Florida. Yeah. So the detectives were like, should we go do Guardians of the Galaxy? (laughs) Just kidding. It wasn't around back then. But they were like, let's go to Florida. And they hunt down Alisa Barash. And they were like, hey, are you Elisa? She's like, that I am. Hi, what can I do for you, handsome gentleman? And they were like, do you know this lady? She's like, I do. That's Lauren Sims. And you're like, what? Yeah, she was my cellmate in prison. That's right. 11 years ago. Yeah, so it turns out... Lauren Sims grew up in Brooksville, Florida, and it's a small town. Everyone knew everyone there. She came from a good family, but she was estranged from them for reasons we don't know. She was a runaway, and she would steal someone's identity, steal their credit card, and that led to several arrests for forgery, burglary, bad checks, and eventually it landed her in a state prison. Now, remember how we said she had an IQ of 140? She did. She was really smart. She got away kind of living that life for a long time. Obviously, it always catches up to you. She had no 
masters. She had not even a college degree. Nope. Not even a high school diploma. But she could talk lawyer talk. And she still, she really did have an IQ of 140. All of the research that I found kept saying how smart she was. Yeah, she was sly like a fox. Yeah. And also um, literally the definition of fake it till you make it. Yeah. And so Lara Sims befriended the real Elisa in jail. And when she got out, she stole this woman's identity and then headed out west. So Larry's missing. $500,000. So is all his money. Yep. And it's February 5th, 2002, and some farm workers in a vineyard find a lower leg, a human lower leg. Yeah, they call the police. They determine it is indeed human remains. And sadly, the remains of Larry McNabney. Like, what? Yeah. And But what puzzled them is that the body looked like it had only been there a few weeks, a month top. Yeah, in the ground, that is. Yes. And then, so the autopsy revealed that there was no trauma. Weird. Yeah. They checked his body for poisons. No, we're, we're not we're not playing around with arsenic this time. No. Negative for poisons. So they were like, so call that Sarah girl back in. Yeah. And they're like, hey, girl, that pink puff jacket again, yep. I see. So Larry's dead. I have never seen such a poorly crafted response. Yeah. She was like, what? Wait, what? It was bad. Uh, I have made me angry. Actually, yeah, I have seen better acting on those like after school specials when we were kids. Yes, and they were like, think really, really hard about what you know about Larry. We know you're in on this financial shit. Also, are you sad? Yeah. You knew this guy, right? I'll give it to this investigator. Again, he nailed her. He's like, you better tell us what's going on. We know you're forging Larry's signature. Elisa took off. You better tell us what you know. You're 21 and you are in over your head. And the way she's trying to talk her way out of it, it's pathetic. And the cops are convinced yeah. that she knows or was involved with Larry's death. But they still nope. do not have anything to hold her on. They just know she's full of shit and they know she's in on it somehow, but they don't know how. No. But three weeks later, the investigation took a turn when police in Florida located Elisa's car. A gentleman notified the Fort Walton Beach Police Department that his truck had been stolen by a lady who stayed with him. And when the officers initially went to take the report of the stolen truck, Elisa's Jaguar was located at that area. That meant the woman who stole the truck was most likely Elisa. So three weeks later, the police find Elisa's car in Florida. A man called the cops saying a woman who was staying with him stole his truck. And when the cops showed up to take the report, they found Elisa's red Jaguar. Yeah. So they know Elisa's in Florida. So they hunted down that stolen truck at the beach and they're like, all right, let's go check the beach. And then <laughs> before they even like got their flip flops on, Elisa walks up and was like, hey, um, I'm the one you're looking for. You're looking yeah. for me. Hi, let's go have a chat. Yeah. And y'all, we see her mugshot and I don't know if running from the law ages you severely or makes you go cross eyed. But this woman looks Rough, and she is giving Janice from the Muppets. Yeah. Just like, wow, like eyes half closed, greasy hair, looked like she'd been drinking gasoline out of her red Jaguar. But maybe that's why they caught up with her because 
she ran out of gas. Okay. I'm just going to, I'm going to keep talking and then I'm going to look past this and I'm never going to rewind this episode ever again. So they're sitting in the interview and she's like, hey, this is nice place here. Um, do you have any water? Uh, yes. I killed my husband. And yeah. Just, oh, Willy my nilly. stars. Yes. It was so casual. Did I kill him? Yes. Okay. Do you have some liquid IV for this water? Yeah. I just, it, I need the electrolytes and the extra vitamins. Yeah. Now I will say that this is the point of watching this show where I became irate. I was really angry because the way she talked about Larry, and we're about to find out what happened. She talked about him like he was not a human being. Yeah. And her demeanor was disgusting. So she says that she and Sarah killed Larry using horse tranquilizers. Mm -hmm. Now, remember that argument when Sarah stormed off? Larry said he was going to fire Sarah, and Elisa did not want that. She didn't want to be stuck with Larry. Mm -hmm. So Elisa calls Sarah and says, just turn around and come right back to Sacramento. And the next day is the horse show. And so we see her interview. We went down to my trainer's truck, and I got the medicine bag out, and I got the tranquilizer out of it, and I got a syringe, and I said, I don't know how we're going to give it to him. So I said, put it in the visine bottle. So we squirted all the visine on the visine bottle, and stuck the syringe in there and filled it up. She basically, like, very casually, as if she's giving directions on how to, like, modge podge an art project. Yep. She's like, we filled up the syringe. He was asleep. We put it in his mouth. The way she is talking about murdering a human being like she could be giving yep. a tiramisu recipe. It's like a TikTok. Come with me. Come spend the day with me while I get my roots done. Like, it was, it's disgusting. Yeah. And basically, she also implicates Sarah. Right. She was like, write that down. Sarah was with me the whole time. And she basically says that, like, we gave him the horse tranquilizers. It did not kill him. Right. It just made him really, really sick. So that's when we had the idea to get the wheelchair, wheel him out. It was 9-11. Nobody was paying attention to anyone or anything. So no one noticed we wheeled a practically dead man through the lobby of the La Quinta. Yeah. Now, let me tell you something. Larry was asleep when they did this, yeah. right? And so the crazy thing about this horse tranquilizer is that He's sort of like once they got him in the truck, he kind of came to and lunged forward. But the truth is, is that his mind was sharp, mm -hmm. right? It debilitates your body. You cannot move. You can't you can barely move. But your mind is still fully alert as to what's happening. So he knew that Elisa and Sarah were trying to murder him. And when he lunges forward in that truck, Sarah sort of like overpowers him, subdues him, and pours more of the tranquilizer in his mouth. Yeah. So he then, like, passes out. And they go to Yosemite. Yosemite, um, as my French ballet teacher used to call oh, it. Oh, God. They went to uh, Yosemite. Oh, no. And they start to dig a shallow grave. And he was alive. Yeah. And they were like, is he dead? Is he dead or alive? Well, Lisa said to Sarah, he's alive. We can't we can't bury him alive. Yeah. And Sarah was like, I mean, eh. <laughs> She's like, we can't? What, what are we going to do? She's like, I have an idea. She's like, I have a wine fridge at my house. We're going to take out all the Chablis and put him in there. Can 
What? Yeah. So, and, and Elisa, like, took him upstairs, bathed him. They fell asleep. They were flying by the seat of their pants. They didn't know what they were doing. And they put Larry's remains in a freezer in the garage and listened to this disgusting, oh. cold response to an investigator's question. How long was he in the refrigerator? Three months. Three months in the refrigerator? Oh, God. It seemed like a good idea at the time, guys. Oh, my God. Yeah, that is her laughing like she's talking about the time she peed in the street at Mardi Gras. What a monster. Oh, my God. She is, she is so vile. And so Ginger was like, Oh, my God. The whole time I was working, he was actually dead in the refrigerator. I can't even imagine when she heard that what went through her mind. Alisa eventually was like, I mean, they're just spending Larry's money for three months. And eventually, Alisa says, well, I wanted to have one last drive with him. So I took him out to a vineyard in Sacramento by myself and buried him. And she said that she did that in the vineyard because he loved wine. What the fuck are you talking about? And then the narrator says something. I was truly like my jaw dropped. I am so. Did you time this quote? Because. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Just listen. This is nuts. How thoughtful. Elisa kills her alcoholic husband, then digs a hole next to some nice wine grapes to bury him. A word to the wise. 2002 might not be the best year for Central California Merlot. Jesus fucking Christ. I was like, where is this savage as fuck narrator? We need to send her some popcorn. No, I didn't like it. I, like, that I is mean, dark as fuck. It is dark, but so was her being like, I wanted to take him there because he loved wine. That is sick as shit. He loved wine. He'd be happy in a vineyard. Ma'am, you murdered him with horse tranquilizers. So, I mean, it was like, I just the last bone I wanted to throw so him was gross, to. It was so gross because it was like she was romanticizing it and it was like she cared it was very, very weird. It was very weird. And then Elisa says this. I know I'm going to spend the rest of my life in prison or I go to the electric chair or whatever they do to people. I mean, I'm, I know that. I know that I did this. And I know that I'm guilty. And I'm prepared to deal with the repercussions of that. How fucking noble, Elisa. So at least now the cops know the whole story. Yeah. And then they were like, well, how deep was the hole? And then... This fucking wet towel on the floor of the, the corner of your bathroom says, well, not deep enough, obviously. It's wild. She's so detached. Like, it's it's true dissociation. It's, yeah. You know. And his daughter is like, you know what? They were both just had self-destructive personalities. And it was like kind of like who was going to go first. It was really dark when she said that. Which makes me think that Elisa really separated. She did a good job at separating him from his friends and family. She cut off anybody who could be reasonable. Well, I mean, they both had addictions. Yeah. You know, hers was, you know, probably spending or, you know, maybe I, we don't we didn't know if she had any like same sex tendencies towards Sarah or, or whatever. It was. Like, we don't know, but it did. They weren't living healthy lifestyles in terms of spending alcohol, drugs, not in the episode, was that Larry also dabbled a lot in drugs, oh. in um, cocaine. Wow. Yeah. After a lifetime of slipping away when the heat was on, 
It looked as if the master escape artist was caught at last. But then Elisa surprised everyone when she pulled her ultimate and final disappearing act. Elisa was taken to the Hernando County Jail to await extradition to California. But while there, Elisa hanged herself, and her confession tape was deemed inadmissible during Sarah Dutra's trial. And because of that, the evidence against Sarah was circumstantial, and she was convicted of voluntary manslaughter. Yep. She was sentenced to 11 years. She served eight and a half, and she was released August 26, 2011. She was sentenced to probation back in uh, in Vacaville, which is like not too far from where I was raised because that's where her parents lived. So right. she served out her like probation there. And um, interestingly enough, Elisa had two kids, a woman uh, by the name of Haley and a son by the name of Cole. She didn't raise Cole, but she did raise Haley in a very, very wild lifestyle of running from the law and changing her name all the time. Haley Jordan spoke for the first time ever just last year to 2020. And if you have the if you have the curiosity to watch it, it is well worth your time. What did she say? I mean, just like about their life and about her mom. I mean, like she was constantly moving and changing her name. She would come home and say like, we have to leave right now. Say goodbye to your friends and we're going. I mean, she lived a life on the run. However, Haley knew her mom wasn't well, but like she loved her mom at the same time and like wanted to be with her. And one of those times where they had to go on the run, she said, do you want to stay with your grandma and grandpa or go on the run with me? And she wanted to go with her mom. Wow. But she intentionally never did any interviews or anything until last year. It was the very, very first time she spoke. And it made me think, you know, like, I wish that you would not speak for a couple of years. Did that feel good? <laughs> you like that? No, it's a really, really interesting. Really I will, I'm going to check go- that out. Yeah. It's just, you know, no matter what Larry said or did or what the circumstances were, nobody deserves to die like that. Yeah. I cannot imagine how horrible that was. And then to be in a a fridge for three months and then buried in a shallow grave like you're nothing. It's awful. And I wonder where Sarah is now. I wonder what her life is like. I looked at I looked it up. It, it just said she's kept a very low profile. She probably changed her name. I would imagine that she's yeah. no longer Sarah Dutra. Yeah. But yeah. Um, very sad case. Very sad. Say something funny. Well, you know what well, that's the thing about those royals. Well, I told you that Prince William had impregnated his mistress. Yeah. And pretty soon he's going to look just like his dad, like a pile of evil mashed potatoes. (laughs) 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 He looks like mashed potatoes. He looks like he was the stand in for the oatmeal for that Royal Daniels episode. Scoop Royal Daniels? Yep. Scoop. Scoop. Gotta love Scoop. Yeah, he. And we love you, Dow Bitches. Thank you so much. We are going to give you the month of May. We are going to give you Deadly Wives. That's right. Please follow us on social media at I Think Not Pond. You can find Joey at It's Joey Taranto and me at Ellen Marsh. Don't forget I spell my name with a Y. And don't forget we are going back out on tour We're in June. We're going 
We are calling this our road trip tour. We are going to go to both of our hometowns. We absolutely cannot wait to see your faces. You know we love tour. We love seeing you. Tell them where we're going, Joey. We're going to New Orleans. We're going to St. Louis. We're going to Pittsburgh, San Francisco, and Phoenix, Arizona. June 8th in New Orleans. June 10th in St. Louis. June 12th in Pittsburgh. June 18th in San Francisco. June 19th in Phoenix. You know I'm going to love that desert sun. Yeah, you are. So if you haven't gotten your tickets and if this goes out and we still have tickets left, we do hope you will come and see us. Give us a squeeze. We love seeing your faces. And I love you, Yellow Marie Marsh. I love seeing your face, Joey. We love you, Joe Bitches. Bye. $143. Then the announcer lady says that they've been spending money like drunken sailors. I was like, aren't sailors poor? They are. I mean, they wear the same thing all the time. Shut up. Sailors aren't rich. Sailors aren't (laughs) buying jaguars. I think it was referencing to the nature of them partying, how they're known for partying, even if they ain't got a Are nip- they? Yes. I don't think, I think that, well, then that was a bad joke. <laughs> All right. What is a secret you've never told anyone? I don't have any secrets. Have you ever done marijuana? Yeah, but is that a secret? No. Nope. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. I've done edibles. And with I, who? You gave them to me. <laughs> <laughs> What's your best Alan story from childhood? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, my all of my stories have to do with her uh, entertainment. Of course, you heard The Wizard of Oz story, yes. mm-hmm. and that was a classic. Uh, her little girl story, mm-hmm. um, her makeup story, when she was a toddler. I mean, a toddler. Okay. She would love to go into my purse and uh, put on makeup mm-hmm. and then go and look at herself in the mirror, and she would do these dances, and she would perform in front of a mirror. Actually, her, the mirror was her best friend. Because everywhere we went, Mm -hmm. she would uh, continuously look at herself. She always had to have a mirror in front. She'd be talking to me, but she would just be looking at herself. I don't think that happens. Now the mirror is a camera. Now Um, the mirror is a camera. What what did I do every time I cried? You looked in the mirror. (laughs) And what what did I do? You would cry, but then as it wore off, you would fake cry, and you would watch yourself making all of these faces. I go, yeah, no, she is pregnant with his child. Oh, literally, literally, like father, like son. <gasps> he gave her a visit from the old one eye, but I saw this. You want a visit from the old one eye? <laughs> yeah, because that's how the royals are talking. You know what? Yeah, obviously. Yeah, I love two things. Crowns and pussy. (laughs) Listen, love. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go. Let's go to the beach and I'm going to go digging for some sand crab. (laughs) You know what I mean? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Well, I'm going to eat some fish and chips. You know what I mean? Off your vagina. (laughs) What? Listen, you know what I want to do? I want to go explore your hidden valley. I don't know. It just sounded. I just. I just mix words listen, around. Though, I may be aggressive when I fuck, but I'm also polite. I will call you, ma'am, mum. I'll call you, mum. <laughs> That's right. Fuck me, ma'am. <laughs> ah, ah, I had ah. no. <laughs>